Amen. Hey, well, welcome uh, South Fellowship Church. We are so glad that you're here today, and I'm really excited for you because you don't get to hear from me today. Um, Every pastor needs a pastor, and um, I I would... I'm honored to introduce to you one of my pastors and one of the people God has put in my life. Um, And Mike and I became friends about six years ago when um, I accepted the call to pastor Self Fellowship Church. And I knew that I needed people to speak into my life and to walk with me and to encourage me and, and to sharpen me. And um, Mike was one of the people I reached out to, and he graciously um, accepted the invitation to speak into my life. And um, so to say that it's an honor that Mike Romberger is here to, to preach today and to be part of this ordination service that we'll have this afternoon um, is an understatement. Uh, Mike pastored Mission Hills for almost 14 years. He is a godly man, a man of extreme integrity. He is a bold leader, an excellent preacher of the gospel. And would you help me welcome Mike Romberger today? Well, good morning, everybody. It is a joy and a delight to to be here at South Fellowship, and especially on behalf of uh, Ryan and Kelly's very special day. Um, I, my wife is here too, right over here. Jane, why don't you, just going to lift up her hand, I guess. But uh, we're, we're thrilled to be here and many uh, dear friends that attend South Fellowship that we've gotten to know over the years. And for the last uh, three years, I've been um, out in California now at a camp called Mount Hermon which is the first Christian camp west of the Mississippi. And I've been going there since I was a little kid, and God called us out there about three years ago, and I get to lead that ministry now. But we miss Denver, and we miss uh, the pastorate, but really thrilled with where God has us. And I love your pastor, and I know you must too, or you probably wouldn't be sitting here today. But um, he's a very special man, and uh, we are looking forward very much to this afternoon If you have never been into an ordination service, I want to recommend that you come not just support Ryan, but you come for you, because it's a time where um, we will give charges, not just to Ryan, but also to you as a congregation. It's a rare experience. It doesn't happen very often in a church. It only happens once in the life of of a pastor, And, uh, and so it's really an exceptional experience spiritually for you personally and for the church as a whole, along with what it means for Ryan and his, and his family. So I hope that you will be here uh, this, this afternoon. Ryan did something very dangerous. He allowed me to preach on anything I wanted to. And uh, so I decided, because of its ordination uh, Sunday, to speak about the church and the church that God em- empowers uh, churches come in all shapes and sizes. They come in all sorts of uh, denominations, and some are cutting edge and edgy, and some are traditional, and some are contemporary, and some are blended. Some are independent, some are satellite churches, some are church plants, and a whole bunch of other descriptions. I don't think any of that really matters all that much to God. I think what really matters to Him is. Is it a church that God, that he can empower, that he can use to influence the lives of other people for his glory and for his kingdom's sake? And so I'm going to 
have us go to a passage that means a lot to me personally, although this sermon, I've never preached it before. It's fresh for today. But before we turn there, let's, let's bow in, in prayer. Lord, I want to thank you for this day, this day that you have given to us to be here, to worship you, to be with one another, and Lord, to be in your word, to learn not just about you, but to become more like you, or maybe for some to encounter you for the very first time. And so, Lord, we ask that you would do what only you can do in a life to move us, to convict us, to confront us, to, to show us compassion, love, whatever it is that we need right now, Lord, that you would do your work in our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So please take your Bibles and turn them to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 is in the New Testament. It's the fifth book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, fifth book in the New Testament. And the background of the passage that we're going to be entering into is the Apostle Paul is on his way back to Jerusalem on a journey, and he knows that uh, difficult things await him. He also knows that it's the last time that he's going to be able to have a conversation with the elders, the leaders from the church in Ephesus. The church in Ephesus is a church that he went and he planted and he pastored for three years. It's a church that he loves, it's leaders he poured into, and he, on this journey, he's going to be stopping on a coastal town called Miletus, and when he's there, he calls for the elders from Ephesus, who are not very far away from Miletus, to come, because he wants to greet them, and he wants to give them some, some words of wisdom before he goes to Jerusalem, because once a pastor, always the pastor, and he cares about this church, and he wants to give them these words, and out of his words, to these elders in Ephesus, I want to give us today five charges, five charges that make a church that God empowers. Five charges that make a church that God empowers. Now, let me just say this. Every single one of these charges could be a sermon in and of itself, but don't worry, it won't go that long. <laughs> Let's look at Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 17. Now, from Miletus, he, Paul, sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. The church that God empowers, first of all, is a church that makes the main thing the main thing. A church that makes the main thing the main thing. Paul claims that he served them in humility and that the ministry was hard when he was there, which it was, the Jews were out after him and persecuting him, and he even had stiff opposition. But Paul did not shrink, he says, from declaring to them anything that they needed to hear, that which was profitable. 
Sometimes the hardest things to say are things that are profitable to someone that they need to hear. Sometimes the hardest things to receive are things that are profitable that we need to hear. But he went ahead and said those things. It says that he taught them in public and in private. He was consistently teaching them in every opportunity that he could. He said that he was ministering to all of the people, not just the Jewish people, but also the Gentile people, Jews and Gentiles both. And he was preaching to them, it says, about repentance of sin and about faith in Jesus Christ. Repentance of sin and faith in Jesus Christ. He was keeping the main thing, the main thing. What's the main thing? The main thing is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. What's the gospel of Jesus Christ? It is proclaiming the need of the forgiveness of one's sins, the repent of one's sins, to be made right with the holy God, and to have faith in Jesus Christ that it only comes through faith in him and in him alone. The main thing, the main thing. He preached the gospel. Why? Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and without help are in a bad place, if you will, separated from a holy God. Therefore, God sent his son Jesus to this earth to die on the cross for our sins so that we can be forgiven of our sins and may be made right with a holy God. Therefore, Paul chose to preach constantly, both to Jews and to Gentiles, both privately and publicly, about repentance of sin and about faith in Jesus Christ. He kept the main thing, the main thing. A church that God empowers believes that God's word, in and of itself, changes lives. It believes in the gospel. It believes that this word changes lives in and of itself, the power of the gospel. That's why an organization like the Gideons can stick Bibles in a hotel room and leave them there, and someone in the dark of night can turn on the light and start to read it, and just by the power of the word of God, can come to Christ. And have eternities, the power of the gospel, the main thing, to keep the main thing, the main thing. A church that God empowers believes in the power of the work of God through repentance of sin and faith of Jesus Christ. Listen, you don't have to get fancy. You don't have to get fancy. I believe you're blessed as a church because you have a pastor who believes the power of the gospel. Amen. Amen. And I believe it's one of the reasons that God is blessing this place. Because he believes in keeping the main thing, the main thing. Repentance of sin, faith in Jesus Christ, which leads us to eternal life. Secondly, the church that God empowers goes where the Spirit leads regardless, goes where the Spirit leads, regardless. Look at verse 22. Paul says, and now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Think of that. I know exactly what's going to happen, but I know that prison and afflictions await me. 
Wouldn't that make you want to get on a cruise ship and go the other direction? But listen to what he says. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. I laid it all out there. I didn't sugarcoat anything. But you need to know that I'm not going to see you anymore because afflictions and imprisonment await me. Somehow the Holy Spirit had revealed to the Apostle Paul that this was the last time he was ever going to see these dear people that he loved so much and poured so much into. And it says that Paul is constrained. He's forced or compelled by the Spirit, and he's compelled and constrained to walk into hardship and suffering. Not knowing what will happen to me there, he writes, except that imprisonments and afflictions await me. Here's a challenge for you to try to find in the Bible anywhere where God calls someone to a new task and their life gets easier. <laughs> try to find it. Hmm. Here's how Paul approached the Spirit leading him into a painful calling. He said in verse 24, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I don't account my own life to matter. It's not precious to myself. I just want to do what God has called me to do regardless. I will go where the Spirit leads me regardless. Regardless of the pain, regardless of the suffering, regardless of the outcome, my goal is not about my life, but about what he wants for my life. So let me be candid with you. If you're going to be a church that God empowers, plan on going places you have never gone before, and plan on some of those places to be difficult and maybe even some suffering along the way. So last summer, Mission Hills, the church I pastored, uh, was celebrating their 75th anniversary, and they invited me to come back to be a part of those services, and I said I would love to, and I asked the question, what do you want me to speak about, and they said, well, we want you to talk about all the wonderful things that God did while you're here, blah, 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 and I said, okay, how much time do I have? This is how you know you're the old guy. They said, Five minutes. Five minutes. So I chose not to speak on a whole bunch of things. I just talked about one area. But while I was thinking through what I would say, I realized something. It was on the other side of the hard things that we took on. The decisions where we took risk, the, 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 the journeys that we went on that we knew weren't going to necessarily be popular... It was on the other side of those things where we saw God do the most work. On the other side. 
It was when we decided to follow God more than the voices of some of the people where we saw God do the greatest amount of spiritual impact in the lives of others on the other side. And in the meantime, there was some rough patches. And not everybody agreed with everything that we decided, and some people left, and in fact, I see some of you here. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> great to see you again. Um, but it was on the other side of faith and some risk where we saw God do the most amazing things. I could go through a number of those things. I'm just going to talk about one. And that is God began to place in my heart, in my wife's heart, in other people's hearts, some of our staff's hearts, some of our leaders' hearts, a genuine and deep care and love and concern for people who did not know Jesus. Not just verbally saying the right things, but I mean really caring. Like if these people die today, they will go to hell and be there forever in eternity. And, and it... it began to bother us deeply. We wanted to do something about that. And we began to change many things, including how I preached, how we greeted people, to all sorts of things all the way through the church. And this is what I learned. When we got serious about reaching people for Jesus Christ, God brought them. Why would he bring non-believers to a church that really deep down didn't care about them. But when we got serious about reaching people for Jesus, he brought them. And guess what? The church got messier and more exciting. Go where the Spirit leads, regardless, regardless of the pain, regardless of the criticism, regardless of the pushback, regardless of the lack of funding that seems to be there, regardless. I don't count my life to account for anything. I don't count the church to account for anything. I just want to follow the Spirit's leading, says Paul. And I think he did that well, and he had a great impact because of that. Thirdly, The church that God empowers ensures its leaders are godly. Ensures its leaders are godly. Verse 28. Paul says to these elders from Ephesus, he says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, the people, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Be careful to pay, pay careful attention to yourself and to the flock, the people, to which the Holy Spirit has made you the overseers, the spiritual overseers of their spiritual condition. This church that he loved so much, that God loved so much, he gave his son to die for it with his blood. Spiritual leadership is a sacred trust. Notice what Paul says about church leaders, that they are to first pay attention to their own spiritual walk before they concern themselves with the spiritual walk of those 
that they oversee. The English Standard Version says, pay careful attention to yourselves. The New American Standard says, be on guard for yourselves. The Good News Bible says, so keep watch over yourselves. You know, if you go on an airplane, the flight attendants have their little safety spiel at the beginning. And one of the things they say is, if the cabin pressure goes low, there will be masks that come down for you. And if you are traveling with a young child, make sure to put the mask on your own Uh, face first, and then put it on that of your child. Now, this is counterintuitive for a parent. Well, let me say it this way. This is counterintuitive for a mother. (laughs) Not necessarily for a father, but for a mother. Right, moms? You're going to take care of your kid first, and then yourself second. That's what a mom does. (laughs) But they say, no, put the mask over your own mouth First, so that you're under control, and then you'll be able to do it for your kid. Same principle here. Make sure as a leader your own spiritual life is in order. Pay careful attention to your own life, and then focus on the care of others around you. The Bible places very high expectations on spiritual leaders. It's not just for anyone. This role is not for the privileged, but for the godly. I once had a disagreement. I was in a group of about 10 pastors, and one of the pastors, I still shake my head over this conversation, he was saying about the elders that they get in their church, he makes sure, and this was a pastor of a large church, he said, I make sure that they make more than I do, because I don't want them to ever like question the amount of money that I make, and I don't want them to be uh, bothered with the big dollars that we spend here at the church, and be concerned about the little things like that, because they're small-minded by not you know, making all this money. And I said, well, I, I, I don't believe that at all. And he began to describe, no, no, this is why I believe that, because you know, they need to have a bigger mindset, and I don't want them to be a hindrance. I said, yeah, but the Bible gives no credence to that at all. The, the, the biblical the nature of the leader is to be a godly person, period. I mean, if you go to... 1 Timothy chapter 3, you go to Titus chapter 1. Here are the qualifications of spiritual leaders. Above reproach, self-controlled, respectable, gentle, not arrogant, disciplined, able to teach, not quarrelsome, not quick-tempered, not a lover of money, good reputation outside of the home. The marriage is solid. Kids are doing well spiritually. Nothing about career. Nothing about age. Nothing about financial wherewithal. It's about a relationship with God that's deep. Not perfect, but above reproach. Spiritual leadership is not about power or name recognition, but about humbly serving Jesus and his people. Just on a personal note, Some of our dearest friends in this entire world are in this room, Dave and Kristen Carlson. We stayed at their house last night. Thank you. We're staying there again tonight. Thank you. As of now, at least. And we lived on the same street. And our kids see them as like second parents. Their kids see us like second parents. And I know that he's been one of the key elders here for a long time. 
There's a reason that God blesses this church, and one of them is because of godly elders that are here. Yeah. I don't know the others, but I know Dave, and I know that Dave's a deeply godly man. He's very humble in his leadership. God blesses the church and empowers the church that has godly leaders. Fourth, the church that God empowers is prepared for Satan's attacks. Is prepared for Satan's attacks. What is done here is of a spiritual nature, and there is a spiritual battle out there. Look at verse 29. Paul says to these elders in Ephesus, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Now listen, please. Churches implode from false teaching and from disunity and conflict from within. They implode from within. Satan loves to come inside of a church and implode it from within. We talk about often oh, how our culture is turning against Christianity and against the things of the church. That's true. But truth be told, most non-believers could care less of what happens at self-fellowship this morning. They haven't thought of you once, nor the other churches that are in the area. Just off their radar. They're not anti. They're not even thinking about the church. Churches don't get, get blown apart by outside forces, usually, it's almost always imploded from within. And that's why Paul says what he says. Satan implodes churches from within, from conflict, from infighting, from scandal, from the, the sins of leaders, and from false doctrine being taught. That's why Paul write, wrote in here and said these things, fierce wolves will come in among you, and from among you, your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. And then he says these words, therefore be alert. Be alert. King James Version, Good News Bible says watch. New Living Translation, watch out. NIV says be on your guard. The message says so stay awake and keep up your guard. Satan is out to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. The church that God empowers will be a target for Satan. The church that, that God uses, Satan will come after it and will want to mess with it from the inside. The church that preaches the gospel and has godly leaders and goes where the Spirit leads will be on the front lines of attack. Promise you. And you have to guard against being imploded from within, from with disunity, from fighting over things that are so ridiculous to fight about.
I could go on, but I won't. All right. There's so many things we fight about in churches that just don't matter. When you begin to care about people outside the walls, you just don't care about the color of the carpet or the certain song, how it's sung. It just doesn't matter. Number five, I said each one of these could be a sermon in themselves. The church that God empowers is a blessing to others. Is a blessing to others. Look at verse 32 of Acts chapter 20. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. I didn't ask anything of you. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's how he ends his charge to these leaders. He says, don't forget what Jesus said. It's more blessed to give than to receive. He commends them to help the weak or the needy. There are two imbalances in churches these days that can happen. One is a church that is all about discipleship, and all they do is teach, 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 teach. People want more Bible study. They want to learn more. They want to read more. Uh, they teach, 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 disciple, 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 and they never have an impact outside of their walls at all. People just get a lot of knowledge. Then there's the church that almost their entire focus is on helping out social needs, and they're out, and they're helping out the poor, and they're helping out the needy, and they're involved with this and that good cause. But when they do that, they don't even talk about Jesus in it. They're just like this, like a, a relief organization of some sort. Some churches go that far. And what Paul is saying in these words, he's saying it's both and. It's about the gospel. And don't forget along the way to be a blessing to those in need. It's both. If God's going to really empower you, you can't just stay in the church walls. You have to go outside of the church walls and touch lives. You have to go after people that need the Lord and have legitimate needs. It's a both and. I mean, let's let God's word sink in with regards to this. Psalm 41, blessed is the one who considers the poor. And the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. Proverbs 19. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Romans chapter 15. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves, that each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. Hebrews 13. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Luke chapter 14, Jesus said also to the man who had invited him to a, a big banquet, when you, have, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. You know, it's called swapping. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. 
For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. You'll be repaid at the end. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Listen, a church cannot be inward focused and empowered by God. It won't work. And then it says, verse 36, and when he, Paul, had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them, and, and there was much weeping on the part of all, and they embraced Paul and they kissed him, being sorrowful, most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. The church that God empowers makes the main thing the main thing. It goes where the Spirit leads regardless. It ensures that its leaders are godly. It is prepared for Satan's attacks, and it is a blessing to others. If I could just take a few more moments just to share a few more things from my heart to you. One of the things I found as I pastored here in the area, just down the street, as you know, is I found in this area a genuine spiritual hunger from the people who lived in the neighborhoods. I came, became convinced that people wanted to know what God had to say. They didn't always agree with it. They didn't always like it, but they wanted to know what he had to say. This is a beautiful area. Beautiful neighborhoods, nice shopping areas, gorgeous views of the mountains, People want to live here. People turn down promotions to stay here. And it all looks all fine and good. And teen suicide rate is ridiculously high here. And the amount of immoral activity behind closed doors is incredible here. And the hurts... And the depth of pain of broken relationships and that, that desire to, to try to make it in American culture isn't satisfying. There is a spiritual hunger out there. Therefore, may I say to you, go get those people and tell them about Jesus. Don't just wait for them to come into this room. Go get them. Go, go love them. Go spend time with them. Love them regardless if they love you back. Love them even if they don't want anything to do with your Jesus. Regardless, love is a powerful love. It's a powerful love. I want to say to you, don't play it safe. Don't cocoon yourselves. Take some risks. Have some faith in a big God who does big things to touch a lot of lives. There's so much at stake eternally. I want to say to you, trust your leaders. I know that you don't have perfect leaders, but I believe you have godly leaders. And they'll make mistakes along the way. But follow them and pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for God's blessing. Pray for God's wisdom. 
Pray for courage for them to do what's right, even if it means they might do something that you don't like, because <laughs> we're all for them until they do something we don't like. Trust them. And be a church that God empowers. And watch him do an amazing work in your midst. Let's pray. Lord, these words from the Apostle Paul to those elders in Ephesus are so applicable today. In every way, they're applicable. Lord, I thank you for this church, this lighthouse that is here. And Lord, I thank you for Ryan and for the staff. I thank you for the elders and the other leaders that are here. Lord, I thank you for your blessing upon this place. I thank you for each one that makes this their church home. But Lord, I want to ask for the many, many people who have never darkened the doors of this church or other churches around here, who need you desperately, Lord, that you would empower South Fellowship to touch these people with you, that they would get a glimpse of your love for them, for your salvation for them, for that you're going to give them eternity with you. Lord, may they step out in faith and not hold back. May you empower this church. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.